I realize your guys' show is for the lore, which seems like it actually for the lore, and it almost <laughs> works. You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. Hello and welcome to For the Lore. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, the 25th of June. And I'm back. A week off. It was kind of nice. Thanks, Thank boys, for uh, for uh, taking the helm there. That was great. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Although you can really appreciate the work that goes into editing now, don't you, Vince? Yeah, it wasn't that bad. Editing him, especially, is all what I should have said. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, actually, I got, I got a veto. I was... Uh, I was lucky on Father's Day, and and I got myself a Vita. Well, I didn't get myself a Vita, but they bought it for me, and uh, and it's basically the only way I told the wife to, the only way I'd accept one because there's no way in hell I would actually fork out the money for it. But as a gift, you got to be willing to take whatever, and uh, and I got that, and it came with Gravity Rush, and just the device itself, though, in terms of how it handles, how it looks, and everything, is pretty goddamn slick. I got to say, it is a nice little device. Looks cool. I'm just waiting on a little more software for it. Yeah, definitely. Although I, I will admit, Gravity Rush does look cool as hell. I'm going to be probably doing a review for that eventually. The game is fantastic. It's got this real kind of Miyazaki feel to it, like this whole Howl's Moving Castle kind of thing. And it is really, really cool. I really love the the way that they integrate this comic book style with panels and the swiping and the story is neat um i i really like it a lot and the gameplay is actually pretty freaking awesome it's it's really interesting and fun and again because you're floating all over the damn place and trying to get yourself righted when you're <laughs> in the air and everything it's it has a a, a uh, not like really attention, but you really got to be careful where you're going. So it keeps you paying attention to it. I really enjoyed it a lot. So anyways, and then I love that you can get all the demos too quite easily on it and everything. So we've been having a lot of fun with it. So there will be some talk about various games as they do come out and uh, on the Eventually. show. Yep. So let's move on to some of the big news for the week, though. They finally talked about the extended cut for Mass Effect 3 and gave dates tomorrow. The question is at this point, do we give a rat's ass or not? I'm going to actually play through it again at the ending just to see what the hell all is different and what they actually added in and to see if my theory that it was just the, well, you're dumb, here's what actually happened because you couldn't figure it out for yourself is what it actually is. That's really what they're making it sound like again. They're, they're, it is what they're making They're continuing it sound like. to say that this is just to reinforce what we've already you said or not understand it. Yeah. what happened that's all that it was so yeah. although i've heard the download is like one and a half gigs so 1.9 they added in it's a lot <laughs> well they were saying that they had to um it was how did they word it they it was hard for them to get it to under two gigs for the microsoft xbox um restrictions that they have because they had the limit on it yeah which I think sucks. If you have to fix the ending to your game and then you're restricted to just how much you can fix it because of those limitations, you'll fail again as a dev. So, but the question again is like, yeah, you're going to play it, but it, have you gone past really caring? Does it really matter anymore? Well, for me, the whole, the whole thing's pretty much done and over with, but uh, out of curiosity, more than anything else, I'm going to check it out. Right. Because I, like, I'm going to, obviously I'll download it, and if I can ever bring myself to play it again on my Femshep, then I'll be doing it on there, but, uh, 
and who knows maybe one night you know curiosity will get the better of me and i'll actually play it through but i really if if they had said okay we're going to do a whole bunch of stuff here there's going to be some new things and, and things like that then i'd be like okay great i'd love to see it but when they keep touting the line of we're just going to explain to the dull children what we mean i'm like mm, no no that ain't cool <laughs> that, that's not nice well, thankfully, I can steamroll through the whole thing on my Vanguard in record time. So so they are going back, they said, to right before you invade the base, the, the, the Cerberus base. base yeah. The Cerberus base, yeah. yeah. So, I again, I am curious just how much will be in there, but uh, I don't know. It might be a while before I actually check it out. And then they said you only need, I think it was 3,100 effective military strength in order Pretty to see idea. all the stuff. Which I believe is less than it was before. So five, it was five thousand before, I think. Yeah. So that's at least we don't have to work that much harder. <laughs> Although, I guess, yeah. you know, once I once I have the thing in my Xbox, it's going to be hard not to want to play the multiplayer again. Anyway. You know what? That's the only thing that I've still played periodically, and actually, my son keeps playing it. All hell, he's probably playing it right now, um, all the time. They do have their their weekends that they've been doing continuously, and once they fix the stupid thing with the store and gave people the shit that they paid for that they never got. Once they got that act in order, it was like, okay, fine. Uh, so yeah, my son's been playing. He's gotten all of the new characters that they've th thrown in as well and the new weapons, and, and they are justifiably quite cool. I like how they're, they're continually adding these things to the multiplayer and continuing to support it. I think that's, that's awesome, and it is a very fun multiplayer game, so that's, that's good. Yeah, and I've actually gone ahead and I've played the multiplayer a little bit more now, and it's it is actually really enjoyable, like surprisingly so. Yeah, and we do have the new maps as well too, so that's again quite nice. Okay, let's talk about another game that <laughs> a lot of people aren't playing either that thought that maybe they would be, and that's Diablo <laughs> Three. Um, the patch one point oh three came out, and it's funny because Vince, you were saying <laughs> in the show notes that it's bringing some. some things, and, and I was laughing because. It actually put in a crap load of stuff that are really, really... I also said it probably broke more than it fixed. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so... man. It's gotten to the point now where the repair costs are way, way too high so that mm -hmm. people are farming Act 1 of Inferno not for gear to be able to progress into Act 2, but to pay for the repairs for when they're trying Act two, it's gotten to the point, and then with the drop rates having been dropped even more, then there's even less likelihood of them getting gear unless they buy it from the auction house or the real player auction house or real money auction house. So they've effectively damn near broken the game, and it was already not doing the best. Not only are the repair costs higher, and not only has the, the loot rate dropped now less actual gold drops now too. and yeah. less rewards for completing quests that you've already done so you don't get to farm a boss like you used to for gear you i mean well that, that no... was that was out before that was yeah from... but it's even worse the drop rates are, are even changed that's in the show notes mm -hmm. so that you're gonna get even less for repeating even quests. less nothing wow seriously <laughs> So what is the point of playing this game then? Because it's not to farm bosses, which, you know what? Farming bosses still can feel epic. That's what we did in D2. No, it's to farm freaking packs of champions and elites. Well, and even then, you're not going to get the drop rates that you want. You're going to die, and your repair costs are going to be astronomical. Mm-hmm. Wow. All I have to say to that is it's even so bad that the rent is too damn high meme is starting to come back. That's how bad it's gotten. Yeah. There's a lot of things that I was looking at through here that were really, really disappointing me. And uh, and it's funny because you read through the comments on this one. <laughs> Commenters aren't nice on the best of days. <laughs> but something like this comes out. Yeah, they are not happy at all. And again, it was we just found out too how they are having to offer refunds to the South Koreans for this game. And I thought, that should be everywhere. Everybody should be able to get their refunds for this game if they wanted to. Well, I didn't pay anything for it, so meh. Yeah, I, I have nothing to add to that. I mean, 
it's it's just so completely not, fucked at this point. It, I mean, bad enough it was not what we expected out of a Diablo game to begin with, and now this. Like, it just gets progressively worse and worse and worse, and I don't understand it. Like, I honestly do not understand how they can look at this and not see how absolutely terrible it really is. And, like, they're still talking about it. Like, it's this wonderful thing, and it's, no, no. I would like to see real numbers, actually. I would be very I really curious would too. to Considering see. That Considering 1.2 million copies were given away, 1.2 million copies were given away. I'd like to see that number removed, and I'd like to see an actual number of how many people have actually paid to play this game and are still paying. And that's yeah, what I want to that, know. I'd like to see how many people are, are still playing. Yeah, I want to see how many people are still playing now since it's been out. Because I, I don't think you need to wait. You know four, six months for this. I think right now we would get a pretty telling number of how many people are still playing. I haven't played it for weeks. I, I just haven't bothered. So I eh. grudgingly played for a little bit last weekend just because I had literally nothing else to do for like two hours. So like, fine, let me level my witch doctor some more. But yeah. that, that was it. <laughs> I, I know that I'll bounce in periodically and I'll do a little bit, but it's not going to take long for me to get completely frustrated and just say, screw this shit. It's not worth it. So, and then again, I really... I despise having to play the auction house. So it's like, yeah, I don't want to have to do that. So, and if they drop the drop rates even more so that you're getting even less, then again, it's, it's, it's honestly just not worth it. Okay. Let's talk about a game that you guys are actually very excited about. Then let's move on to Castlevania mirrors, mirror of fate, Vince. Yes, uh, Silicon Era had a great interview with David Cox, the producer for the uh, Lords of Shadow and Mirror of Fate games, just giving some great input on the direction they're going with uh, for the new Mirror of Fate uh, 3DS game. How that they don't want to use the Metroidvania uh, template of, you know, Symphony of the Night and everything thereafter. And they were really... Uh, criticized when Lords of Shadow came out because so many people who never played a Castlevania game before Symphony of the Night were criticizing it for not being enough like Castlevania. When, as I said uh, in my review at the time, it was more Castlevania than any other Castlevania in recent years because it actually went farther back to, like, Super Castlevania 4 was a big inspiration for Lords of Shadow. So they're actually taking that influence another step back and mirror of fate is largely inspired by castlevania 3 now so yes, yeah favorite. which is great because again that one is an absolute classic i just really hope they don't take another step back and make a simon's quest homage but anyway <laughs> the the game has a large map to explore but again not in that metroid style where you're constantly running from one end to the other and oh i gotta remember to come back here when i get the bomb i gotta remember to come back here when i get this instead the multiple branching paths and the locked way upgrades are going to be handled through the multiple characters. So instead of having to run all the way across the map once you get the double jump, instead it's, okay, you're done with Trevor. Now when you come back with Alucard, you can go do this. That's a cool way to handle that, uh, that branching exploration path without having all the backtracking that people hate about that gameplay style. Beyond that, they say that the Metroidvania games are super ridiculous hard at the beginning, which is true. Yeah, but by the really, time you reach the really end, they're an absolute joke because you've maxed out your level, you have all the best gear in the game, and it doesn't have that same fun factor unless you're the type of person who enjoys one-shot killing everything out there. Whereas Mirror of Fate is going to take a more traditional route, and since your character does learn new things throughout the game, they don't grow exponentially stronger as they progress so there actually will be a difficulty curve where the end of the game in a huge surprise for most modern games is actually going to be more difficult than the beginning of the game that's interesting. which is good yeah. well, for me it's an awesome thing because it's something that i've been honestly missing from games if that makes any sense mm-hmm and they really just want to focus on telling the story of the Belmonts instead of it being a game about running around collecting things. Like we, like they're talking about uh, in the larger scope of the Lords of Shadow franchise, the first game showed us the origin of Dracula, 
and Lords of Shadow 2 will be the grand finale of Dracula's story. So they really want to focus on the Belmonts and their role in the Dracula lore of this Castlevania setting they've come up with. So that's what Mirror of Fate is about. It's going to be all about the Belmonts, why they're going after Dracula. Well, we know why they're going after Dracula, but why it can only be them and, you know, all of the lineage and big lore elements of Castlevania. That's really going to be explored in Mirror of Fate before we get to the grand finale in Lords of Shadow 2. And I love how they're talking about Gabriel's progression, you know, as the Dracula character, how they didn't want Dracula to just start off being evil. And there's a great quote here that we felt that Dracula was more interesting than being stabbed in the heart every hundred years, because that is exactly (laughs) what happened over the course of 20 games. That was Dracula's entire role in Castlevania lore was to wake up every hundred years or more often if, you know, they were janking around with the timeline, and get stabbed in the chest. That was his entire role in the story. So they really wanted to make Lords of Shadow a more Dracula-centric story. And starting off with Gabriel being, you know, the warrior of good and showing that descent into becoming Dracula and how, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Every single thing he did was with the best intention, and he still ended up as the Prince of Darkness. And that was a really interesting way to approach a character like Dracula. And that's just one of those things that make the Mercury Steam Castlevania games so engrossing to me is they're taking these traditional aspects and coming at them from a completely different angle. To be perfectly honest, that alone is making me very excited about it because like you said, Dracula is one of those characters that's kind of, well, he's had some single purpose and there's, and everything else you read about him, even in the, the original stories and the original books and all the original lore and all the other games that have featured Dracula-type characters. There's been so much more lore, so much more story, so much more everything going on with him. And now, like, seeing that return makes me incredibly happy. And they're just saying, like, depth. They're just saying Lords of Shadow 2 is going to be an absolute blast because, you know, Dracula is just the biggest badass on the planet, and they can't wait for us to get their hands on them, which has me really excited. Spring Cyclops with you. (laughs) (laughs) one one other little thing i found interesting was they actually said that lords of shadow was the most successful castlevania title ever ever really more than castlevania 4 more than symphony of the night more than aria of sorrow any of the handheld games that was actually really surprising to me me too because i thought the handheld games would have been much higher up on the list so to speak Okay, cool. Let's talk about some Darksiders, too, because you are quite excited about that. Yes, uh, we got a cool little trailer, uh, mostly live-action trailer, which is pretty cool. Uh, it's centered in this church where you see the, the townsfolk you know, huddled for shelter as literally hell is unleashed on the other side of the door. And they decided they just wanted to make a little more awesome and have the trailer starring James Cosmo, who most people would know as Lord Mormont from... Uh, the Game of Thrones TV series. And he mm-hmm. just does this awesome speech as this priest, friar, monk, whatever the heck he is. Just really fun stuff. And then, of course, you know, on the outside, you have death just wrecking stuff. It was a fun little trailer. Nothing really amazing. But it was partnered with information about downloadable content and pre-orders. How they said that if you pre-order the game or even buy it at launch, you're going to get the first DLC for free called Argol's Tomb. It's a DLC, and they say all the DLC will include, quote, significant new single-player content. So that's interesting to see how they're going to work that out in a Zelda-style game, but I'm, I'm with it. However, if you pre-order the game specifically through THQ's website, they will give you the season pass to the game, which will include free access to the following two pieces of downloadable content. Also, and so- if you get the limited edition, not just through the website. No, no, the limited edition comes with Argol's Tomb. Only through THQ do you get the season pass. Oh, Trust passes. me, yeah, the, okay. the, the article I linked didn't quite have their facts together. Apparently. Because I went through THQ's website. I was like, oh, free DLC? Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll pre-order it through your website. Until I started looking at their process. And okay, you know, I click pre-order, done. Their shipping options were interesting. They were charging... $15 for 10-day UPS ground shipping. Holy crap. What? That's the cost of pretty much the two free DLCs. 
<laughs> they, they had a free option using the postal service with approximately 14 days. Well, at that point, I'm just going to go buy the fucking game myself. I'm not going to sit there staring at my mailbox for weeks waiting for a game to show up. So the, the, that, that alone was pretty iffy. But then I started thinking, like, okay, I know for a fact THQ is bankrupt. They're about to be delisted off the NASDAQ. Their stock prices are so low. What are the chances we're actually going to see these two free DLCs at all? That's like so, popping by Kurt Schilling's house and knocking on the door saying, you remember that 10 bucks I loaned you? <laughs> I'd like it back. So at this point, uh, as a consumer, as well as, you know, just a person, I'm definitely saying the better way to approach this is just to go buy the fucking game at a store when it comes out or pre-ordered it off Amazon. Get it from somewhere who's not going to rip you off. And if the DLC comes out, then go ahead and buy it. Because unless you want to sit there waiting, quote, up to two weeks, which we know the Postal Service, it's not going to be here in two weeks. You're ba it's basically a wash at best. And if you want to play the game when it comes out, it's I think their three day shipping was like almost 50 bucks. No way. For a fucking video game. <laughs> And it's not even like a huge collector's edition. It's it's a video game. A regular, a regular it's a regular copy. <laughs> yeah. That's so insane. actually, it's downloadable. They just send you an empty box oh, with no, a code. No, no. I forgot about. <laughs> I actually posted a screenshot on my Twitter account because as I was ordering the PS3 version of the game for an additional five dollars, I could allow them to provide me with a downloadable backup of the game. But how long are their servers going to be up and have that? How long am I going to be able to download the a PS3 three. version of the game off of THQ's servers? <laughs> God. Wow. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> For $5 extra. <laughs> or you could just get it through Steam, and hey, the downloadable copy is always there. And it's included. it's on Steam. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's move on. This couple is going down the toilet fast it's not a yeah wow their I developers mean, are so good but my god <laughs> and you still think that you see you're gonna owe us t-shirts one way or another that's we're gonna get t-shirts I, I still think darksiders 2 is going to be a successful selling game not enough to pull thq out of their debt but the game itself will still be quite successful yeah We'll see. I have forgotten about the T-shirt. I have not. I have not. <laughs> All right. Let's He's talk about the desktop. You have uh, six more months to forget about it. No, no, no. <laughs> There's some things that I make sure to write down somewhere because I know the memory won't hang on to it. But T-shirt right there. Vince, T-shirt. Uh, Joe, you wanted to talk about Bruce Campbell. Yeah, I'm really excited about this, actually. With the relaunch of the uh, the Spider-Man movie franchise, of course, there's going to be a uh, game associated uh, with it. And as much as you may not like the movie... Um, or potential therein. Uh, the games have been pretty good so far, actually. Like the Spider-Man games that we've been seeing have been really, really well done. And it's this one is I don't think it's going to be any exception to the rule. It's going to be the Amazing Spider-Man game. It's going to have that brand new costume with his chromed out kicks. Uh, but amazingly enough, Bruce Campbell is going to be returning uh, as a voice in this game as the extreme reporter, uh, a character who actually has a pretty interesting backstory. He's a former mixed martial arts uh a fighter who didn't quite make it big, but made popularity or made it big in popularity because, well, he talked a lot of shit. And not only did he talk a lot of shit, he talked a lot of shit in the style of Bruce Campbell talking a lot of shit. And so what we have is basically you see him in his blimp over the city issuing challenges to Spider-Man, taunting him and things like that. And it's just kind of an interesting little flavor to see added into the game where Bruce Campbell, who's become sort of a staple in the, the movies so far, was being asked to be part of Beanox's new game. And I, I, thought I think that's really, cool. really cool. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's not going to be in the movie, sadly, so might as well have him in the game. What I find most interesting about this, like last week we were talking about uh, Mark Hamill and all that and, you know, the work they went into creating those characters. Am I the only one who feels Bruce isn't even acting? He's yeah, really, it's <laughs> just, he's just, just Bruce himself. being Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> I like that Bruce, Bruce Campbell is just, he's Bruce Campbell and everything he does, I'm sorry, it's on, from everything from Sam Axe and Burn Notice to every character he's played in every Spider-Man movie and in this character in the game, it's Bruce Campbell. It's just Bruce. Let's face it, he was the best thing about Spider-Man 3. Yes, yes, he was. <laughs> he was definitely the best thing about Spider-Man 3. <laughs> Snooty Matri D for the win. All right. Um, so, yeah, when is that coming out? 
Do we know? I can't uh, remember. Uh, this week, actually. Is it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I set up a display for it yesterday, or yeah, last week. Awesome. I'm going to be curious how, how good it is. I know I, I, I've got the same opinions as you about the movie, but uh, I'm curious what the game will be like. I'm probably going to wind up buying the game. I'm not going to lie. Okay. It, it's looked, it looks interesting enough, and they got the web-slinging. And apparently there's an entire preface where you get to play as Stan Lee, web-slinging around New York City. Oh, for crying out loud. With Stan Lee doing the voice acting for Stan Lee in game. <laughs> so it's kind Only of, it's if kind Stan of... Lee is shooting out the Spidey one-liners. He, he apparently he does, and it, there was a there was a thing in the the interview with Bruce Campbell in the dev dial uh, the dev diary here where he's he got to actually meet Stan Lee, and he's like he's the youngest old man I know. He's just so full of life and vibrant, and you could see it like they show him like doing like the little dance in the face where he's like doing his voice acting for the character. So it's kind of interesting. That alone makes me want to buy the game just because well it's Stan Lee and it's Stan the man. Speaking of voice acting, I picked up the um, Lego Batman two. I picked it up for the the PS3, and um, some of the characters are the same ones. And you, it's it's again, we've talked about that before. You really notice it if you are a fan of any of the whether it's the games or the comics or or uh, I shouldn't say comics, I should say cartoons and things like that. You really notice when they use yeah, different voice voices. Actors in the comics yeah, really. Are so good. In my head, they are. <laughs> <laughs> again, I'm on new meds. Cut me some slack. <laughs> but uh, but no, we were watching at the beginning. And and uh, like the guy who does Lex Luthor is the same guy who did Lex in the uh, Batman Beyond and and the other ones. And it was um, no, not Batman Beyond. Um, the the last Batman. Well, all the the Batman, anyways. The the latest ones. And you, it it just gives it this air of authenticity. It's I I love when they're able to get the same people to do the voices. And uh, but that's another game too that I'll be talking about later on as we we finish off more of it. My son and I have been playing it, and in typical Lego fashion, it's phenomenal. It's absolutely fantastic. You all the different costumes that you can pop into. There's some stuff in the uh, like on the boat or on the bike or on the the, the flying plane as well. And then um, if you ordered it new, you get um, five heroes and five villains as well that you can use at different times. And yeah, ton of fun. The only thing that I didn't like is the uh, the split screen for two player is terrible. Like will make you seasick. It is really? absolutely horrendous because they don't just split down the middle. Depending on which direction you're going, sometimes the split is diagonal and it moves as you move closer together away from each other and in what directions. So, like, depending on where you are in relation to each other. So let's say I'm closer to where you're sitting, say, and, like, my son was off in the distance distance on a another platform that was higher then the split is actually horizontal whereas if i start moving towards the left keeping where picture that 3d dimension again me closest to the the gamer and then my son further away if i start moving towards the left that horizontal line starts dipping on the left so that you got a vertical line across and so it does all this movement. The line does all the movement as you're going along. And it is very difficult to get a handle on where you are at times and things like that. I, and I, I even found that it was like getting my eyes all wonky. I really did not like it at all. I wow. can kind of see what they were going for, like with like a comic panel layout or something. But wow, talk about missing the mark. Yeah, it was terrible. I really, yeah, it, not good at all. Just give people a straight split screen down the middle that's all that matters and uh but no this is because you would and again if depending on where you are in relation to each other uh, at one point your guy's on the left of the screen and then you keep running and then all of a sudden you're on the right <laughs> so the split screen moves as you're moving and then Jesus. it'll it'll kind of this is worse than eternal darkness <laughs> yeah it really is annoying as well i told my son i said like we'll still do some but i'm not going to be doing all of this game probably multiplayer with you because it's making me seasick just to look at this thing moving all the time like you have to be basically stuck on each other all the time if you want to just use the same space so there's no split screen but then you can't do that because in typical lego fashion with like the the same things done with the indiana jones one and with this you have to use another character to do something else like robin has the magnetic feet so he has to be the one to put that suit on go up and activate a little something so that my batman can then go up and things like that and freaking robin freaking punk robin gets a freaking helicopter right away batman's got nothing except for a little tricycle thing he gets a helicopter because he's the goddamn batman no he he's the a helicopter yeah 
<laughs> Anyways, it is a good game. Very fun. The graphics are phenomenal. I love the tongue-in-cheek humor that they're putting in between Batman and the other characters. We haven't seen them all yet, but when Superman shows up, oh my God, it's hysterical. Because he's, he's, Batman is giving him the cold shoulder and not even talking to him. <laughs> and at one point, Superman says something to him. Batman says, and he gets in the Batcar. And as he's in the Batcar, Superman says, hey, I can see you. I have x-ray vision, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I cannot wait until the Green Lantern shows up because I want to see what's going to oh, happen God. there. If there's a punch, they win. They win game of the year if there's a one punch that he knocks him out. <laughs> okay, Joe, you wanted to talk about some cold fusion. Yeah, this is actually one that is really, really, really interesting to me because it, it kind of stumbled upon it uh, randomly. And it's uh, a Kickstarter that started up now, f- which I'm absolutely addicted to Kickstarter, go figure, uh, for cold fusion, which is you got a no money. Steep- I have no money, but I like to look at it. I like the window <laughs> shop. Come on. This is going to be a great in four years. There's 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 an irony here. <laughs> Someone with Maybe. no money is, is window shopping Trolling at a site where yeah. they want money. Well, they want money. It's the best time to look at Kickstarter when you have no money because you can't put your money behind everything you want. But this one is actually kind of cool because it's a cyber it's a cyber steampunk RPG uh, with the Super Nintendo style uh, nostalgia, and it's kind of cool. Uh, it's... Actually, you know what? I've seen this before too. This Have was you? somewhere, I don't recall where we saw the trailer for this, but at one of the cons there was a trailer for this before. And it was a little while back, and, and yes, it actually does look fairly cool. And right now, they're they apparently the story is completely done. Like, they have everything already written out. They know what they want to, be done, they want to have done. And they just need to get the money together for the software and stuff to get that all set. And the art assets for it actually look really, really cool. Uh, there are going to be cinematic cutscenes that are going to be completely hand-drawn for it. Like, they have a really good artist doing some, some of the stuff there. And if you go to the official site, you can see really cool robots and character sketches and just awesome, awesome things there. It, it just it looks really, really interesting. Now, it revolves around uh, an astronaut who witnesses essentially World War III from space. Uh, he was basically sent up there to uh, research some cryotech. Uh, he decides that it's not safe to return to the planet due to all the fallout from World War III. So he freezes himself, only to wake up and return to a very changed Earth. So it's a really interesting concept. A nice premise, yeah. Uh, it's a very nice premise. Yeah. The art assets they have look really cool. The style of the gameplay is really cool. And the last time we had a, a Steam cyberpunk type game, really... Uh, was back with Final Fantasy VII. Like, until then, it was either one or the other since. It hasn't really combined the two, and this one definitely combines the two. And while some of the screens look a little, you know, subpar, I mean, they really haven't really started full production on the, the game portion of it yet. A lot of it's just mock-ups. So. What is, uh, what platform are we looking at? Just PC? Console, I think they said. Let me double-check. No, no, no. Sorry. Windows OS. Windows OS. Windows. Yeah, yeah Windows. Because this actually looks like something that would be a lot better on, um, obviously the the 3DS. Although it wouldn't even need the, the 3D, but on a, a DS. On a handheld. Or even yeah. on the Vita or on um, iOS. That said, it definitely fits into that niche that's been carved out recently with a lot of the retro style games that are getting a lot of attention. Well, Penny um, Arcade Three. Penny Arcade. Yeah. The 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 uh, precipice of, of which darkness. I featured at the end of this episode. <laughs> So, yeah, no, this looks cool. It's, again, it's one of those, I I have not been putting nearly as much faith in any of the Kickstarter stuff. I, I apologize to all the people who are using it and all that, but I I have not, I mean, there's so much crap that we're seeing that is, that's just not possible. Like, I mean, I was looking at one yesterday or the day before, and it's an MMO, and, I mean, they're asking for, I think it was twenty five or 35000 I mean, like, yes, they had a lot of it done already, but I'm thinking, I... 35,000 what what is that going to buy you not even marketing for the game so it's going to run on a server yeah so it's like mm, a lot of these i don't know i don't know a lot of them i don't know but some of them are, are catch my eye and seem pretty feasible like this one they're, they're asking for 15,000 that's what their goal is that's not an obscene goal and having been participating in uh, the development of a, a game in this style 15,000 is about right it's about what you would expect to have to pay Really? Because, see, I would expect more. 
even no, for something that looks that like it, this, I would still expect it to be more than that. It's really not, though. That's the thing is it's you, what you basically want to paying for is the software and then the engine. And that takes up the bulk of your, your cost. And then if you're looking for professional grade like voice acting software like they are, um, that takes up maybe about maybe another five grand. And we, we I've done the math before and about 15 grand is what you would expect for this style of game for it to be downloadable on the PC only for one single like one single setting and for having all the story and the art assets already completed, then all you have left to do is to get the engine, build the engine, do the tile sets, build the tile sets and things like that. And if you want to rent the Unreal Engine or things like that, it's about 8000 to $10,000 to use that engine for that. And that's just to give you a rough idea. For something like this, you're looking at probably about the same just for use of the engine alone. <laughs> he listed his qualifications as... 20 years of gaming, 10 years of development. <laughs> Since when is 20 years of gaming <laughs> going to say anything? It is funny. That it is, is funny. hysterical. Okay. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. Vince, you wanted to talk about Nintendo some. Yeah. Uh, like, what was it? Like a week and a half after E3, Nintendo decided they had some stuff to announce. <laughs> More stuff. Uh, another one of their uh, little Nintendo Direct internet streams, which have actually been pretty cool. I, I like how Nintendo's handling their marketing. Not necessarily waiting for the big trade shows, just, you know what, when Nintendo has something to say, you're going to listen, goddammit. And they did uh, two separate ones, one for Japan and one for the Western nations. But, of course, the big news to come out of both of them was the announcement of the 3DS XL, uh, which is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It's got 90% larger screens, and most importantly, uh, the big change, well, not change, but the big uh, leg up it has over the current 3DS is a significantly increased battery life just because mm -hmm. the thing's friggin' bigger. You can shove more batteries inside of it. They say anywhere from 6 to 10 hours, which is roughly twice the battery life you can expect on the 3DS. Uh, it's actually only $199, so it's only 30 bucks more than the current 3DS uh, for essentially twice the system as long as you don't mind the bulkier size that's in my eyes a pretty good value actually i've got the xl myself and i don't find it bulkier really i mean i can still carry it in my pants no problem it's only a little bit bigger when it's closed up and you don't notice but you really do actually notice it when you are playing a game it is it's quite noticeable the 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 size difference the, there's sometimes that fights against you though because you'll notice even more pixelation which i mean on a ds you can't afford that but um so it doesn't look as clear sometimes but for a game where it's especially if there's a lot of cell shading or stuff like that like professor layton on the xl phenomenal absolutely fantastic i love it so much more Mm -hmm. Now, of course, there's some accessory uh, things to keep in mind. Uh, first of all, it does not support the Circle Pad Pro, so it looks like that little dongle is going to be phased out. Because as far as I know, I think there's two games that require it and maybe three more that actually support it. So there, there's not a lot of third-party support for it. And uh, like many people have said, if you're looking for a second analog stick in your 3DS then you're playing a game that probably doesn't take advantage of what the DS can do. And, and I kind of agree with that. Like A game that's designed to really use the touchscreen and stuff, that second analog stick is completely superfluous. So it looks like that whole uh, concept is going away. And interestingly, in order to keep cost down, in Europe and Japan, it will not come with an AC adapter. You could use your existing ones. Everybody's yes. got DSs. Yeah, yeah it, it is yeah. compatible with the old ones, but I, I it's odd <laughs> to say the least i'd be all right with that oh i mean depending I, on I, how much the, i have, how I much have so many 3ds and what have you power cords laying around yeah. yeah it's not an issue but it's just it seems kind of odd that's all yeah. it's actually going to be out uh next month uh to coincide with the launch of new super mario brothers 2 so looks like they're they're gonna get a nice uh bump in sales for that i would love it if they have the launch specials like they did with the xl where i got the xl for free that would be awesome. I take my XL in <laughs> and trade it in with a few more bucks for the 3D XL. That'd be awesome. All right. Beyond that, uh, we had some pretty interesting announcements coming out of the uh, events, uh, starting with the Japanese one, because that was first. Uh, we got information about a new Smash Brothers game coming that's actually going to be co-developed with Namco Bandai the creators of Soul Calibur and Tekken. So it's going to be interesting to see what those fighting game pros can bring to the Smash Brothers franchise. Never been a huge fan. I like Smash Brothers. I'd be interested to see what they've, they've got going on. Never. 
And of course, they also announced the Kirby 20th Anniversary Edition. And much like the Mario one that came out, what, two years ago? It's a freaking cool edition. If you like Kirby, there's a lot of awesome stuff in here. Lots of uh, classic games, all kinds of fun stuff packed in. So that one looks like it's going to be interesting. They talked a little bit about Dragon Quest X, which uh, we talked about way, way back when, which is the Dragon Quest MMO. And how, yes, it's going to have a subscription fee. But what they're doing is they're adding in two hours every day of what they call kids time, where it's going to be free to play for those two hours. Uh, They said Monday through Friday, it's going to be 4 to 6 p.m. And then on the weekends, 1 to 3 p.m. That's different i can just see you i'm sorry babe i'm busy i can't i can't it's, it's my two hours <laughs> i need to play for free <laughs> but it's the free time get away from me and then we got into the awesome stuff and by awesome i mean weird japanese shit <laughs> they announced soul hackers <laughs> which is the latest game from atlas well i don't want to say latest because it's actually a port of an old sega saturn game coming to 3ds uh it's one of the devil summoner games so if you've liked any of the previous games in the shin megami tensei series which includes devil summoner digital devil saga even persona I, this is on my buy list assuming it comes to america lost heroes uh, All right, I'm going to say even Joe is going to want to play this one. It's an RPG featuring famous Japanese mascots. And I'm talking (laughs) Ultraman, Gundams, and Kamen Rider. That's a hell of a crossover. (laughs) I'm in. I'm totally in on this one. (laughs) And then a very interesting one that's called Project Cross Zone, which is a tactical RPG crossover between Sega namco and capcom it's going to be a a, your traditional tactical rpg featuring characters from tekken street fighter virtual fighter mega man resident evil dark siders shining force and even space harrier and space channel 5 that's fucking awesome i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) like we've seen so many crossovers you know in recent years you know marvel capcom uh, tatsunoko versus capcom street fighter cross tekken but they've always been in the fighting game genre so it's going to be pretty interesting to see how they're going to cross this over in a completely different style of games and it's probably gonna be pretty damn fun i'm intrigued yeah and that's all we uh really well of note, at least from the Japanese conference, there was plenty of other obscure shit going on in there. But the the uh, American and European conference started off with a lot of stuff we've already heard about: uh, Castlevania, Epic Mickey, Kingdom Hearts. Now, there's one that uh, I'm sure you're very excited about, Roger, coming up in November, and that is Professor Layton and the Miracle, Miracle Mask. Mask. Yes, it's it's been out for quite a while in Japan, and of course we knew it was going to come to America eventually. It's nice to know when and that it's going to have free downloadable puzzle every single day for a year. Isn't so, that freaking awesome? You're going to have an awful lot of time to learn God how to become a true damn. gentleman. That is awesome. I, 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 was, I was just kind of blown away by that. <laughs> it's, a, it's an amazing amount of support. It, it is. I mean, when you're planning on supporting a con- or, or a handheld game for that long, uh, that's again you've got. My, although this is freaking 3ds. If I have a 3ds, we'll see. I'll be getting it. <laughs> I never liked you. Really? I'm still okay. here. Okay. <laughs> All right. uh, They showed off some more of New Super Mario Brothers 2. And I have to admit, the more I'm seeing of this game, the more I'm kind of buying into it with the whole coin collecting aspect. It just looks like it has really solid gameplay, which is really solid platforming. Yeah, which is really all you can ask for from a Mario game. And it seems like it has while it's got a lot of new stuff that it's doing, it's not quite as gimmicky as uh, some of the other recent 2D Mario games. So it's probably still not something I'm going to run out and buy, but. I'm I'm becoming a little more convinced every time I see the game. See, I'm not. the The more I see it, the more I'm, I'm I'm uninterested, disinterested. Okay. Apathetic about it. Choose your <laughs> word that doesn't make sense. And then uh, the the real last thing they showed was uh, the the quote announcement uh, that Fire Emblem is coming to 3DS uh, early next year from E3. Remember when I was saying that after the conference is over, Reggie just kind of shouted to everybody oh hey by the way uh that's they showed off a video looks pretty fun great again simple tactical rpg uh, like so many tactical rpgs these days they way too convoluted 
yeah, they they exchange difficulty for complexity, and, and those aren't the same thing. But Fire Emblem has always kind of brought it back to its roots. And I mean, for me, a tactical RPG, like the, the golden standard for me is Shining Force, because it was just tactics and building your squads and leveling your characters and not about all the crazy shit that uh, some of these other games want to make you do. So the game does look really cool, but it comes with a bit of an asterisk. And we knew going in with the Wii U, having uh, the cross compatibility with the PS3 and 360 games, DLC is obviously finally going to be coming to Nintendo consoles. Well, as far as I can tell, Fire Emblem is the first game they have announced that's going to have paid DLC. And that's actually on the 3DS, so... It's going to be interesting to see slope. how it's going to be interesting to see how a Nintendo audience reacts to paid DLC because as we've established Nintendo audiences and other gaming audiences aren't always the same thing. Yeah, but they're going to have to be getting used to that Xbox Live PSN kind of mentality especially with there the Wii U coming out. There's still a startling amount of people out there who only own Nintendo consoles. Oh yeah, no and no. I'm, I'm not just talking about the grandmas at the rec center playing Wii bowling. <laughs> yeah, but I I mean that console's been out for, crap, how many years now? We're looking yeah, like, at a minimum, what, seven, <laughs> eight years? No. Seven or eight years. Yeah, no, yeah, we, just did it, we just hit a decade on the 360. It's been out for a bloody long time. So, yeah. Long time. We sold the 360 when I opened my store seven years ago, so it hasn't been a decade yet. No, not a decade. I didn't say a decade. Close. Close oh, did. Decade. Okay, but I, I it's been, it's been still almost long. ten years. Okay, anyway, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Anyways, my point is, is that yes, there's a lot of people that are the casual gamers, and that's that's all they know is the Wii. But most of the people, especially anybody with kids, kind of things, will be used to live or PSN by virtue of the fact that they would have gamed with their buddies, kind of thing, at their houses because their houses are cool and have all the consoles. <laughs> that's like when all the kids come to play with my kids <laughs> but uh so yeah they're used to they've got to be used to that and again with the wii u coming they desperately need that if they're going to be getting any kind of third-party support for oh, games for the, the wii u so they need to get that crap out there and get people used to it as soon as possible i'm just saying it'd be interesting to see how the nintendo audience yeah. reacts to it i don't think it'll be a big deal eh, it could mm. be it could be they're they're I'm with Vince. I'm, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they react to it. It really is. All right. Anything else? All the people I know that are really in Nintendo don't want to pay any extra money. All right, Vince, anything else or was that it? There's a, a number of more minor things they announced, but uh, that was really the most I took out of the various conferences. Okay. There was also, we've been reading a lot more reviews about Pokemon Conquest now since it's come out. And actually, it's been getting really good reviews actually and really i'm hearing very interesting things about this and the uh how they're it's again that feudal japan kind of period and how it fits into there and the different things i was actually i'm fairly interested in this one i don't know about you i know that you're not vince but joe i'm i'm actually interested in it i'm pretty interested in it maybe not as much as you because i know that you're probably foaming at the mouth a little bit for it because it's you know a new pokemon game but I, I like that type of game, and I like what they're doing with it so far. It just looks cool. I like the idea, too, of the, again, the yeah. Japan, too. But it's they were talking about how the lore fits into it and the, how it's not exactly Feudal Japan, and it, it might be kind of like the Pokemon World's version of Feudal Japan. Of Feudal Japan, right. So things like that. And then the different dynamics with the, the Pokemon and all kinds of things like that as well, based on the fact that it's... They didn't use balls to capture, apparently. I, I didn't get everything, but it was like, okay, that's that's it's... Just enough different that it'll probably hook me. I find it interesting because we haven't actually seen that many spin-offs of the Pokemon franchise. Like there was uh, like the Coliseum ones, but that's still pretty much in the Pokemon realm. Uh, there was the stupid picture-taking one on Nintendo 64. So yeah, you have that, and then you have, oh, yeah, uh, teaming up with Odu no Oda Nobunaga to take over feudal Japan yeah. <laughs> in a freaking tactical warfare game. I'm like, how do you make that leap? <laughs> that that was the next logical step for the Pokemon franchise. I I'm all for it. And and oh, again, I this I yeah, I know. <laughs> I would like to it if again if this does well enough that we can see more where you've got the, the the modern day one kind of things, but also stuff back in that feudal Japan and keep going with that storyline with those characters as well. That would be freaking awesome. All right. It's not a big deal. I just, I can't, I'm, I'm, if it weren't for the fact that I've got a brand new Vita, I'd be playing it already. What's that? Someone's like Pikachu wearing a samurai outfit. Dude, that would rock. <laughs> Did you see the pictures of the shirt I got? 
with the Pikachu, except he's a Sith. And it says no. it says a while Sith has appeared, and it's it's a he, it's poke he's like a Sith in a and the Pokeball he's in is a Death Star. <laughs> yep, I saw that. That's hilarious. I saw that T-shirt. And I went buy now. <laughs> I posted that a picture is on Twitter. Hilarious. Yeah. Sorry, I don't look at everything you say. Believe it or not. Well, I I don't look at anything you say. Then fine. Now, honestly, oh. I don't think there's anything to happen to said tonight. All right, fine. I'll anybody who's curious what it is, just <laughs> look at the your iPhone or whatever now, and I'll put the picture on as a chapter heading. Okay, last but not least, and this is something that we talked about before when it was talked about at E3, especially, and that we were so looking forward to it. And I did not realize it was coming out this soon. Was Magic: The Gathering 2013, and yes. especially. On the iPhone, or not the iPhone, sorry, the iPad. The iOS. iOS. Um, I picked it up immediately, and Joe, I know you've picked it up as well. Vince, yeah, I, I couldn't loser. find it, actually, because... It, I'm they sorry, I still have a weirdly. pile of indie games I'm playing through. <laughs> Too bad. These are better. This is so much better. It's called Just Magic 2013. So if you're looking for it, that's what you need to look for. And it's actually free. Okay, so you pick it up for free. You can play with, uh, I think you start with either one or two decks. I'm not sure exactly. Two decks. Two decks. And then you can you can win some decks kind of things. You can play. Um, you can do a surprising amount without putting a single penny into it. And then you can unlock it for 10 bucks, which I'm sorry, is a joke in all honesty. Uh, 10 bucks, that unlocks your multiplayer, your leaderboards, your... Um, um, different modes of play as well so you can do their little challenge things that they do which I love it's like it, it's a puzzle and you need to figure it out how many plays or how many different moves to win in one more round kind of thing and you just try over and over again until you get it right essentially um, the chess player in me loves that and then there's what else do they have uh, the deck management deck building and things like that and then once you've unlocked it as well then you have the option of you can either play through the campaign where in it's the same thing as 2012 where you can play a campaign against x amount of people there's four or five acts i can't remember how five. many is there five okay and then there are five acts on the campaign in each of the acts there's between three or four uh like little mini sections that you fight different guys and then always with one boss that unlocks the the deck that that boss uses and then you can minimum of one boss yeah, yeah, Some of them have true. Two. And so, and then you can do that to unlock uh, decks to use. And if you do that, what happens is that you get the deck to use. However, thirty cards from the deck are actually locked. And then you you can still play with the deck. And as you play with the deck and win, then you unlock certain cards from it. And then you can play around with your deck to do whatever you want with it kind of thing. Or you can pay a buck, and well, 99 cents, and you can unlock the deck, and in so doing, it unlocks it completely. So then you get all the cards. So then you can have your little sidebar cards that you can change out as you need to or whatever, depending on who you're fighting. So I actually did that. I, I wanted to see how it worked because it's not quite clear. So I, I bought... The only deck that's there that's a multicolor deck, and I found that a little disappointing. They're all monocolor except for one that ha that's white and black. So I picked it up, and in so doing, I saw that yeah, it unlocks everything. And then you also have the option if you want to be fancy and spend waste a buck, you can choose to foil a deck, and basically it'll give you foils of all the uncommons and the rares and and blah 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 in that deck. So it can be your fancy deck. Um, in terms of gameplay. Like we'd said before, and we were right, this game was made to be played on a it tablet. Really, really oh was. my god, it's it's slick as hell. The interface is fantastic, very responsive, and you're not. It's not. It doesn't feel cramped at all. Anybody who's played Magic, <laughs> you need a lot of table space sometimes. <laughs> like that's just the way the game is. You got so many cards laid out and everything, and you might think that on something the size of an iPad, it's gonna feel crunched up. Not in the least, and especially with the new iPad with the Retina display, 
the cards are so bloody clear it's unbelievable i find that the video was made for i think ipad 2 downward and yes. even the background sometimes is not quite as clear but the cards are all that matter and they are crystal clear i i'll stop talking so you can talk a bit more about it joe but i absolutely love it it's it really is a very very fun game I liked 2012 on the PC, but I even back then I'd already commented that I wish I could just take it with me and have it in the handheld form. And having it on the iPad makes a big difference. I find it easier. The, the motions are you know similar to what I'd use with actually playing the game. And the cool thing is I've actually been kind of debating getting back into Magic because I have a whole bunch of old stock that I'm going to sell off and, and start back in because they're bringing back one of my favorite sets, which is Ravnica. And you can see that now because in this game, you're getting to preview the core set and the cards that are already going to be coming back a month in advance. So you get an idea of how the new mechanics work. You get an idea of how uh, the new spells work, how the phases work with those spells, how the synergy between certain cards works. And it's really, really nifty, especially for somebody who wants to get back into it, because for that $10, it's essentially training you how to play these these types of cards again. Uh, or even if you don't pay anything, and if you're just playing for free, it's still it's still giving you that that same education so to speak and i've been out of it for a little while and this has really solidified the fact that yeah i'm probably gonna get back into it now and i'm having so much fun just playing this game like even while we were while we were doing our little pre-show i couldn't put it down i had to actually fight oh, myself to put it down i've got a game that's paused right now okay <laughs> it's, it's in the other room Mine's paused. i, Mine's I paused. last night i was sitting down and we're watching tv and i was playing because i i was on one of those challenges and i just could not get it and eventually i finally did and it's again it's 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 done well enough that those little rewards something as simple as beat this guy in one turn once you finally figure it out it's like <laughs> I got you, you bastard. And it's everything about it is is that good. The only thing that I'm having a problem with is that the that timer is damn fast. If you're planning on oh, playing an yeah. instant or if you are planning on playing an, a, an ability on a creature while they are attacking or defending, you better be fast because many a times I have missed an opportunity to pump up a creature or to play an instant because I just wasn't fast enough. So I'm, I'm getting used to it, but I, I think that they still could have given a little bit more time on that timer. But other than that, pff, no complaints at all. It doesn't have the, the, the pause button like 2012 did? It has it a pause button on the side, but then I... I'll try again, but when I paused it, often it would tell me that it couldn't play it as well. That's another thing too. It's I, I found out it was a little confusing with the if you set it that you define um, what lands to use and what how to allocate the damage and whatever, then some of the abilities it wouldn't let me do because it was saying you can't do that because you selected blah 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 in your settings. So I kind of don't know why they set it up that way because I prefer the micromanage everything i want this many points on that one this many points on that one but i found that was a little when you i say i'm going to just wind up switching it back because i found that when you have it set up like that assigning which lands to use and all that felt clunky and not didn't make sense so hmm. maybe once i go back to the other way it'll be all right but again those are pretty minor little things and it's not a big deal but uh but they are my only my only little gripe other than that i and I, I'm even all right with the micro transactions of buying the decks because it's a micro transaction that makes sense here because it's the same as if you were buying booster packs or whatever. But it's even better than that because you know exactly what you're getting. So if you prefer to play a blue deck, then boom, unlock the blue deck. You don't have to wait until you unlock it by beating the blue dude later on. You can do it right now and then use that one. So I, I like that. I was a little disappointed that, yeah, there's a lot of decks, but I was the type of player when I played, and I don't know, Joe, if you were the same. Dude, I had tons of decks because oh, yeah. I same bought here. lots of cards, and so did the kids. So we traded and we did all kinds of stuff. So I had lots, and that's part of the fun is the right deck against the right opponent, and then you remember how much fun it was and you played. So there's a number of decks, but I would like to see more. And I'm hoping that over time, maybe they'll introduce more as kind of DLCs so well, you can pick them up. The, 
and I'm sure they will because they did that with 2012. Yeah. As as the new blocks came out, because the way that magic works now, for anybody who doesn't know, is you get a core set every year, and the blocks run in three month cycles. So there's a new set of cards essentially every three months that gets added in, and the two most recent ones are the, called the current block, and they do essentially the same thing with 2012, where except instead of those cards getting cycled out, they just add new decks as basically uh, expansions or DLCs that you can add into it. So I'm guessing we're going to get something similar as long as they keep it, where every three months we're going to get like a new set of cards, which I'm completely okay with. Oh, definitely. The only other thing that I wish they would have put in 2012 and I wish they would put in this is the ability to make your own deck entirely from the cards that you own. That to me would be the ultimate cherry on top of this cake i i really really would like it if they could implement something like that and they could it's it's not rocket science they could pretty easily implement it and then you would also feel more like buying more of their booster virtual booster packs if they're not too much kind of thing because then you can be building whatever type of deck it is that you want to build and not only that and and since we are talking about because we are a lore specific podcast uh you're talking about the story of each of these zones is being told as well. So every time you go to a new city or a new set of challenges or you expand further on down the line, you get story of these decks, these summoners, these these personalities. And it actually does have a little bit of a story behind each one of them, which is kind of cool in and of itself. It's not just a random card game of, you know, wizard versus wizard. It's actually got some story behind it now. I would actually like to see the um, the novels for those. I've never read any of them, but I the know novels some... used the novels are usually really well done. I have a ton of them. I have all the ones up through um, Kamigawa, Ravnica, and then the set right after, and they were really, really well done. And those are just a few years ago. And coming back now to Ravnica, I'm actually really interested in picking up the novels again because they're always fantastic. They're always really well done. And it's not like the ones from the 90s that were really simplistic and just like, you know, houses versus houses and stuff like that. It's gotten a lot more where there's an actual story. There's a plot. There's, you know, a hero. There's a villain. There's it's a full novel experience. And usually what happens is is the each block, each set in that block. Come, it has its own novelization as its own section of the story. So you get three novels per set, and the three novels per set tell a complete story from beginning to end, which is really nifty in of itself. I would really like to see what the ones are for this new block. I that would be interesting then because I do intend on playing the crap out of this game seriously. And if anybody and Joel, if you want to give yours as well, if anybody is listening and has it on iOS and wants to add us as a friend, because you go through Game Center, it's uh, minus Zen Buddhist. So Z E N and B U D D H I S T. Definitely add me. I would love to play multiplayer with anybody. And mine is same as my Twitter handle. It's L-O-D-U-R-Z-J, Loader Z-J. Feel free to add me as well. Yeah, definitely. It is so worth it. Okay, with that, we're actually going to cut it out for the week. Thanks for everybody who joined us. Uh, if you, of course, want to find the show notes, the site is back up again, so you can go back there. It's forthelore.com, <laughs> and you can send any emails or questions to forthelore.gmail.com and on Twitter at forthelore. And with that, we'll see you guys next week. Last week, the guys over at Extra Credits put out another one of their Games You Might Not Have Played videos, which are usually good for finding some previously overlooked hidden gems. One that caught my eye was a survival horror game with old-school graphics called Lone Survivor. When I was looking into the game, imagine my surprise when I discovered that I actually already owned it from the last Humble Indie Bundle sale. Buried in between such high-profile modern classics like Bastion and Braid was this fantastic little game. Released on PC, Mac, and Linux earlier this year by Superflat Games, Lone Survivor is the work of one man, Jasper Byrne, and the quality of the game this single person was able to put out is simply astounding. The most obvious thing about Lone Survivor is its graphical style, akin to an old 16-bit Super Nintendo or Genesis game. In many ways, this choice actually increases the horror aspects of the game. 
In modern games, we absorb the scares pretty much exactly as they're presented. There's no reason not to with the amount of graphical fidelity. However, with Lone Survivor's older graphics, every pile of gore, every faceless enemy, and every bizarre flesh wall leaves much more to the imagination, and I can definitely say my imagination can likely come up with more disturbing imagery than any game's graphics can produce. Sound design is top-notch as well, and adds an incredible amount of atmosphere to the game. In Lone Survivor, you play a nameless protagonist, caught up in an apocalyptic outbreak of some unknown virus which turns normal people into flesh-eating mutants. The game begins with you in your bedroom, deciding it's finally time to get out of your apartment building, which has become a death trap overrun by the mutants. Throughout the game, there are many instances when your mental stability is called into question, and this is the first game since Eternal Darkness to truly make me wonder if certain events are real or elaborate hallucinations. It's very unsettling at points and definitely keeps you off balance. The game itself is a puzzle-based adventure where you have to explore the building and figure out how to bypass certain roadblocks. Many of those puzzling situations that you'll face will be how to get past the enemies. You can step into the background to sneak past, drop rotten meat to distract them, stun them with flares, or, if all else fails, gun them down. Though, of course, like any great survival horror game, ammo is seriously limited. And that's where most of the tension in Lone Survivor comes from. Sure, there's plenty of freaky stuff going down, but actually making it to the end in one piece requires a significant amount of resource management. More than just ammo, you must keep yourself fed, rested, and most importantly, sane. Returning to your room allows you to rest, save your game, and heal up, but sleeping on an empty stomach will reduce its effectiveness. Food can be found throughout the game, some good, some not so much, but little of it is truly satisfying. To enjoy the more fulfilling meals, you'll have to explore and find ways to open the containers and cook the food. If you don't eat, you'll find yourself low on health, exhausted, and slowly losing your grip on reality. Aside from sleeping and eating, the best ways to keep your sanity in check are to stay in the light, which requires a supply of batteries, avoid enemies whenever possible, and if all else fails, talk to your stuffed animal companion, which may not seem like the most mentally stable thing to do, but it is one of the few things in the game not trying to eat you. There is a workaround to help you with all your resources through the use of pills. Red pills will keep you awake, while taking a blue or green pill before bed will take you to a bizarre dream world where the inhabitants will give you supplies. Of course, all those pills can't be good for you. Simply balancing all these mechanics and making it to the end of the game aren't enough. Lone Survivor actually has multiple endings, and not in the Bioware choose-your-own-adventure style. Instead, the game tracks your progress throughout, including your mental health, aggression, and interactions with the few non-mutant characters you'll come across, and presents you with an ending best befitting your actions. After the game, this psychological profile will be explained step by step, enabling you to change your playstyle the next time through in pursuit of a different outcome. Clocking in at about 5 hours for a first playthrough, Lone Survivor is just about worth its $10 asking price on Steam. With the option for multiple playthroughs and the sheer quality of the game itself, I highly recommend Lone Survivor as one of the most satisfying games I've played so far this year. easier to draw the feet that way white joe mm -hmm. white white joe white yep white joe <laughs> it's kripke <laughs> tell renee i said hi roger says hello <laughs> well now that makes me sound like an asshole <laughs> no, no. you breathing <laughs> makes you sound like an asshole <laughs> oh I play MOBA. I do too. You can censor all you want. You ain't gonna change the fact that I'm sighing at your ass. Son of a bitch. Of course, while you guys were chatting, I was busy installing Doing the Steam else. version of 2013. <laughs>